Walmart worker beaten by a customer. How a request to wear a mask might have started it. Recovering from COVID. It's real. It's dangerous. A Surrey music teacher out of hospital and worried about the risk she'll return to. And Premier Horgan's new cabinet. Who's in and who's out? And why he flashed that Vulcan sign. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start with another shocking example of people reacting violently when asked to wear a mask, this time at a Dawson Creek Walmart. A man is facing charges accused of viciously attacking an employee who tried to enforce the mask mandate. Catherine Urquhart has the story, but first a warning. The video may be disturbing. A violent scene unfolds inside the Dawson Creek Walmart Wednesday night. An employee is repeatedly punched and kicked by a customer, allegedly after he and his girlfriend are told to wear masks. You know, you're just horrified, disappointed, frustrated to see that those types of actions uh, are occurring in a, on an individual who is just honestly trying to go to work and do his job one, uh, last night. It was very, very disappointing. Later, the 30-year-old suspect is arrested at his home and he's facing assault and mischief charges. Also, he could be fined since masks are now mandatory in all indoor public spaces. If it becomes uh, worse than refusing to wear a mask, becomes uh, aggravated or escalated and then perhaps even to the point of an assault, certainly before it gets to that, call the local detachment. In an email, Walmart says, This incident is completely unacceptable and deeply troubling. Our associates are doing everything they can to support our communities during this pandemic. The store manager told Global News the injured employee is recovering from bruises but will be okay. He says he has reminded staff of safety protocols, adding the suspect will never set foot in the store again. We all need to be kind and considerate and understand that none of us like this. The suspect has been released from custody and is due to appear in court at a later date. This assault inside the Dawson Creek Walmart is just the latest in a series of troubling incidents involving people who refuse to wear face masks. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. And now to today's shocking COVID-19 numbers. BC has set yet another new record for daily cases. We have 887 new cases, bringing our total to just shy of 30,000 total cases. And for a second day in a row, we've had 13 deaths. Sadly, that means 384 people have now died from complications of the virus. 294 people are in hospital, 64 of those patients in the ICU. Almost 20,000 people are considered recovered, leaving us with 7,899 active cases and 10,307 people in self-isolation. A Surrey teacher is back at home tonight after fighting COVID-19 in hospital for two weeks. Darlene Lorenko was teaching music to nine classes a day when she contracted the virus. As John Hua reports, she believes provincial policies regarding safety in schools needs to change. It's a song that's perhaps symbolic of how many teachers in British Columbia are left feeling. 
the future's not ours to see. As they try to keep everyone safe in the classroom during the COVID-19 pandemic. What will be, will be. I just kept going, kept hoping for better, asked questions, raised alarms where I thought things could be improved. Still, what happened in Darlene Lorenko's music class at Cambridge Elementary in Surrey seemed almost inevitable. I have nine classes a day, um, so I see over 500 kids a week. No cohorts, just class after class of singing students in a portable without a sink. That's fine if you have 20 kids to yourself in your portable all day long. But if I have 180 kids in a day. Multiple cases of COVID-19 were confirmed. 850 staff and students were placed in self-isolation. And the school remains closed until the end of the month. The suspected source of the exposure. Could have been a student or an educational assistant. After a week, Lorenko would end up in the intensive care unit. It's real. It's dangerous. And I had some golden angels that cared for me. and. I, I'm, I'm truly grateful for the care that I received. Back at home, but still in recovery, Lorenko said beyond having to teach in a portable, other measures could make the classroom safer. I think masks should be mandatory in the schools for elementary school. Unlike in these videos, Lorenko is still not well enough to sing a note. While she recovers, she hopes the situation in schools. What will be? will be made safer for all. John Hua, Global News. An update now on the heartbreaking story we brought you of an Abbotsford mother who gave birth while fighting a life-and-death battle with COVID-19. Dave McIntosh's wife, Jill, was in an induced coma when she was given an emergency C-section earlier this month. Their son was born healthy and has now been released from hospital. Jill, though, has shown little improvement, and Dave says if and when she is able to come off the ventilator, she's likely to have a lifetime of complications and difficulty caring for their two children. A GoFundMe campaign has raised more than $80,000 so far. Well, with three viable COVID vaccines now seeking Health Canada approval and a number of others in development, the federal and provincial governments are starting to figure out the challenges involved in distribution. As Aaron MacArthur reports, with more than 37.5 million Canadians each requiring two doses, getting it is going to be a huge undertaking. Who gets it first and when? Well, just about everyone wants to know, the answers are hard to come by. Canada has contracts to supply enough vaccine to everyone in the country, but little is known at this point about a delivery schedule. Canada is well positioned to obtain COVID-19 vaccines and provide access to every Canadian who wants one in 2021. While Canadians don't yet have a firm timeline, the UK is already making appointments for vaccinations. And one of the companies, Moderna, is promising 20 million doses delivered to the U.S. next month. People could be getting shots before Christmas. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister already on record warning the vaccine will not come as quickly as many people would like. We know that most of the world will receive the vaccine before Canadians do. If you won't listen to me, how about the president of Moderna, who said Canada is certainly one of the first countries to have an agreement with us and will be serviced very quickly. According to Health Canada, the timing of approval of the first vaccine appears to be on track to match the U.S. sometime around mid-December. Distribution remains the larger challenge. The planning process for delivery is well underway. The military has been brought in to help with logistics. 
ultra-low temperature freezers and other supplies have been inventoried. The goal? To have 3 million Canadians vaccinated by April. We're doing everything we can to give Canadians access to the safest, most effective COVID-19 vaccines in the world. Adding to the complexity of the situation, the bulk of the work to vaccinate will fall on the provinces. What we're planning for is first week of January, uh, week one of 2021, to be ready to deliver um, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. When the first doses finally do arrive, the initial limited supply will need to go to the most at-risk populations before wider distribution later in 2021. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And a mistake during clinical trials for AstraZeneca's vaccine could set back its approval for use. AstraZeneca announced their version of the vaccine appeared to be up to 90% effective and was cheap and easy to make. But the company has since learned some participants in the trial were given a half dosage, skewing the results. Still, the company says overall the virus averages 70 percent effectiveness. AstraZeneca also says it appears the vaccine worked better for some of the people who received the lower dose and researchers are now working to figure out why. One month after the NDP secured a strong majority in the election, today John Horgan's new cabinet was sworn in. The new government is a mix of familiar faces and some new names with changes to who's in charge of the education and finance ministries. While the new jobs minister is also taking on responsibility for steering the pandemic recovery. Richard Zussman reports. I, John Joseph Horgan. Sworn in. Thank you, Your Honor. John Horgan, the first ever NDP premier to be reaffirmed as premier. The first order of business, a new education minister. Rob Fleming out, Jennifer Whiteside in. Uh, coming from the health sector, uh, operating a large organization with diverse stakeholders, which is very much like our K-12 system. Whiteside, the new New Westminster MLA and the former Hospital Employees Union business manager, now having to deal with ongoing concerns within the school system around an inconsistent mask policy and growing exposures in the Surrey School District and beyond. Minister Whiteside will pick up the ball uh, where Minister Fleming left it and continue to advocate for children to continue ad advocate for a safe continuance of our K-12 system. I, Ravi Kalon. And one of the other key new faces around the table will be Ravi Kalon, the MLA for Delta North, and he will be in charge not just of jobs, but of economic recovery as well. Economic recovery is the priority for us in the coming weeks and the coming months. We know that there has been just a huge impact from COVID. In Greater Vancouver businesses alone, about 6,000 have closed their doors. A big piece of recovery is the up to $1,000 direct deposit some British Columbians will be eligible for. Cash Horgan can't promise will be delivered by Christmas, but says if that target isn't met, it will come soon after. Whether the checks get out to families and individuals before Christmas is a factor that will involve uh, administrative issues that I can't predict. I, Selena Robinson. Selena Robinson moves into finance, responsible for preparing a budget with a growing deficit, now forecast to be over $12 billion. As for the most high-profile minister of the moment, Adrian Dix remains in health. Richard Zuspin, Global News, Victoria. And Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, the Premier was also asked today whether or not he's ever interfered with our province's pandemic response, given some pretty serious questions being asked mm -hmm. in Ontario and Alberta of the governments there. How did he respond? 
Yeah, it's interesting. Back when this began, literally back in March, I was in his office. We were having a chat about well, now that we're in a pandemic, and he made it clear. He says, look, I'm not running this thing. It's going to be Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix and a couple other ministers who are going to be the frontline people here, not me. That's in marked contrast to Jason Kennedy in Alberta and Doug Ford in Ontario. Asked again today whether he gets involved in this. Here's his response. Uh, no, I've never interfered. Uh, that's not how... Uh uh, Minister Dix, uh, Stephen Brown, the Deputy Minister, and Dr. Henry and I uh, operate. Uh, my Deputy, Don Wright, as well as uh, my Chief of Staff, Jeff Meggs, uh, are in daily contact with public health officials, daily contact with Minister Dix, have been for months. Uh, we come to conclusions based on the best advice we get from public health, and then we implement those decisions in the best interest of British Columbians. You know, it's interesting. This week, Alberta's public health officer announced that she was going to go to the Alberta cabinet with her recommendations on what measures to take for lockdowns to get their approval. I just talked to Adrian Dix about that today. He says he can't imagine that happening. That is not how it works in B.C. No one tells Dr. Bonnie Henry what to do. Quite the opposite. In fact, she doesn't need permission to carry out her mandate or her orders. And uh, that's the way it's going to be until this pandemic's over. All right. Keith Baldry and Victoria, thank you. Chilling images captured on home surveillance. The machete man armed with two large knives and how Vancouver police tracked him down next on the NewsHour. This turned out to be shocking. A shoe swap boy expected the worst but got the best on his birthday. How even Ryan Reynolds got involved later. And a Canadian hockey player with skills that go way beyond the hockey rink. You say there's so much you don't know. His appearance on The Voice of Germany coming up later. Right now, though, one man is in police custody after a terrifying incident where an armed man was spotted outside homes in one Vancouver neighborhood. Doorbell and surveillance video shows the man armed with a machete and a large kitchen knife going from door to door and through people's yards in the area of 41st and Rupert early Wednesday morning. Police responded to three 911 calls and took the then unarmed man away from the scene. Hours later, the machete and knife were found in a flower pot and the man was taken back into custody for breaching his conditions. I do want to note how traumatic and scary this was for the three separate callers. Like just to open the door and see a man with a knife or look through your people and to see an unknown uh, man in your, in your lawn with a knife, it's, it's terrifying and it could be traumatic for people. So we're not discrediting that at all. I, I can completely appreciate that. Um, but like I said, as the police, we have to take in the totality of all the circumstances. Every situation is different. Um, in this case, he didn't have a knife on him. So at the time, we couldn't arrest him and recommend a charge for uh, a weapon possession as he didn't. Police say they're still trying to determine if more charges are warranted. Nanaimo RCMP are trying to identify a man who may have hit a new low, even for criminals. At 10.45 Tuesday morning, surveillance cameras captured a man in action stealing three kids' backpacks that were hanging on the fence at Little Bloomer's daycare on Wildlife Place. The man could then be seen riding away on a yellow mountain bike. An hour later, two of the three missing backpacks were found near the Nanaimo Ice Centre. Their contents, mostly just clothes, were found strewn about. The daycare has now stopped having the kids hang their bags on the fence. If you recognize the man in this video, you were asked to call Nanaimo RCMP or Crime Stoppers.
The mother of a missing man has come to B.C. from Calgary pleading for information that might help find her son. 34-year-old Saanich resident Sean Hart hasn't been seen since November 6th. Kylie Stanton tells us why his disappearance is particularly troubling. Teams are in place and assigned a quadrant. Nearly 50 people looking for one man. Sean Hart is 34 years old. Me and his Sean's family have created these these posters and we have literally plastered them all over the city. Hart has been missing since November 6th. He's described as six feet tall, 170 pounds, with a slim build, blue eyes and long curly reddish brown hair. He has schizophrenia and had been living here at the Seven Oaks Tertiary Mental Health Facility. While he's free to come and go, it's unusual for him to be gone this long. Without medication, his mother fears for his safety and is pleading for the public's help. He's probably not going to wear shoes. He's going to be acting really radical. He's going to draw his attention to himself. He'll be talking to himself very loudly. Like, someone's got to see him, and they haven't. While tips have come in, police have not been able to locate Hart. He's known to be a recluse who doesn't like stimulation and is unlikely to surround himself with people. Since his disappearance, there has been no activity in his bank account. Officers say it's likely he may have walked from the facility into nearby Mount Douglas Park. So that's where we're going. Uh, we're, we have all the expectation that he is alive somewhere in, in a wooded area, perhaps, uh, because that's where he's been historically found. At this point, any clue could put them on the right track. They watch for anything that might catch their eye, anything that might be unusual. Hart's mother, who has flown in from Calgary, intends to stay until there are some answers. I am so worried, so worried. You have no idea. But she remains hopeful her son is out there, waiting to be found. Just reach out to anybody, Sean, and get help. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Saanich. Still to come, opening day for Whistler Blackcomb. So stoked we're open. How the mountain is keeping crowds safe in the COVID era. And why Premier Horgan's cabinet swearing-in ceremony looked a little bit like Star Trek today. Traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Keep in mind, though, overnight maintenance has lane closures in both directions between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. A new COVID-19 community cluster is being reported in a southern interior town popular with skiers at this time of year. Interior Health says there have been 22 cases in Revelstoke in the past two weeks, a dozen of them on Tuesday alone. Some are being associated with social gatherings, and that's prompting the health authority to again remind people to limit social activities and follow COVID-19 protocols when indoors. It's also encouraging people to limit their skiing to local hills for the time being and not travel around the province. Well, it is the day that skiers and boarders mark on their calendars every year, opening day at Whistler. But as with everything during the pandemic, things are a lot different this year. They sure are. Our Paul Johnson is in Whistler today with more on the changes that have been made to help salvage the season. The unmistakable sound of skis and boards on snow. First day back. So stoked we're open. Opening day at Whistler Blackcomb in this strangest of seasons saw fairly decent conditions. 
It's not every year you can ski all the way down to the village on day one. It was a beautiful opening day. And it was nice to have a short crowd. Whistler Blackcomb boss Jeff Buckheister will tell you there's nothing in his decades of ski resort management that could have adequately prepared him for this. Figuring out a way to open North America's biggest ski resort in the midst of a once-in-a-century pandemic. The team has done an amazing job and just countless hours planning and prepping and reimagining everything that we do. Much is different. No walk-up ticket sales this year. Instead, it's online, in advance bookings only, with pass holders getting preference. So here's the key to making this work. You can only ride the gondolas and the chairlifts with the party that you came with. If you're by yourself, you get the whole gondola to yourself. And they'll also seat singles on opposite ends of the chairlift. And everybody's wearing masks, of course. Well, opening is one thing, thriving is another. And that's where things are much less certain. Crowds were noticeably thinner in the village footpaths that are the lifeblood to the restaurants, bars and shops here. Their fate in the coming months, no doubt connected to the list of travel restrictions. Will any of those be lifted in time to help? You get down to the bottom of the chairlift and you ride straight on. Catching his breath after the last run of the day, Brian Bowler was conflicted about the epic day he had on a tourist-free mountain. He works in the hospitality business here. They kind of pay my salary, so we need them, but at the same time, it's nice. In Whistler, Paul Johnson, Global News. Yeah, and still to come, unlocking some of COVID's secrets. Why fears of a mutating coronavirus might be overblown, helping the development of an effective vaccine. And coming out of the lockdown, the UK wrestles with the best way forward as the holidays get closer. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. Counterflow is out and traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Massey Tunnel tonight. Keep in mind, overnight maintenance has you down to single lane traffic in both directions between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Kermet Collision and Auto Glass have been family run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermac. For location information, visit Kermac.com. Interest you with sending Global One at the Massey Town Hall. Overseas, the UK has been struggling to get a handle on cases of COVID-19. Today, more than 17,000 infections were reported, along with nearly 500 additional deaths. England is nearing the end of its second full lockdown. And as Global's Europe Bureau Chief Crystal Gumansing reports, it doesn't mean the end of restrictions. On the streets of London, lockdown fatigue mixed with a faint hope. It's been tough, I can tell you that. It's been tough, especially uh, having some health issues, uh, living uh, alone, more difficult. For nearly a month, everyone in England has been ordered to stay home and only go out for exercise, medical appointments, or to shop for essentials. The lockdown will technically be coming to an end, but what people will be able to do depends on where their community is slotted into the three-tier alert system. We must keep suppressing the virus while supporting education, the economy and, of course, the NHS 
until a vaccine can make us safe. With the Prime Minister at his side, Britain's Health Secretary revealed that Greater Manchester in the north is staying in Tier 3. It was originally put at that highest alert level, forcing the closure of non-essential businesses on October 23rd. Liverpool City is being moved to Tier 2, along with London. Come December 2nd, a number of businesses here in London will be able to reopen. Gyms and hair salons, for example. But when it comes to the hospitality sector, which has been hit incredibly hard over the last number of months, it will depend on what's being served. Alcohol can be provided, but only with a substantial meal. Under Tier 2, people from different households can't mix indoors. Groups of up to six can meet up at a restaurant or pub for a meal, but they'd have to sit outside, limiting business. But what we want to avoid is relaxing uh, now too much, you know, taking our foot off the throat of the beast. The beast, according to Boris Johnson, is being pushed back, but he warned the winter could be a struggle. Crystal Gamansing, Global News, London. An American Thanksgiving tradition took place today in a very non-traditional way. This year marks the 15th anniversary of the Elf on the Shelf's entrance onto the global stage. And has since launched one of the best... Most years, more than 3 million people line the streets of New York City to watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. But due to the pandemic, people were asked to stay home and watch it on TV. This year, those giant balloons, which are usually steered by hundreds of handlers, instead were moved by smaller crews in specialized vehicles. And the three-and-a-half-mile route was reduced to just a few blocks, with most events staged in Herald Square, which is where the celebration usually ends. In Health Matters tonight, the race to get vaccines approved. Some theories suggest the virus could mutate before the vaccines are ready, making them ineffective. And while that is a possibility, according to scientists, they're learning a lot more about COVID-19 and a quirk in the virus that could work in our favor. Linda Aylesworth explains. All viruses mutate. It's why a new flu vaccine has to be created each year to protect us. The virus is forced to change in order to evade that immunity. SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, can mutate as well. Fortunately, so far we've not seen meaningful mutations that could impact the uh, effectiveness of the COVID-19 vaccine contenders. One reason COVID doesn't need mutations, accidental changes in its RNA, to infect us is because so few of us have immunity. But there's another explanation. Coronaviruses, they have a protein that is doing is proofreading. Then if there is a mistake that may change to a mutation, that is fixed. Corona is the family of viruses that COVID belongs to. So in theory, this mechanism that corrects mutations should reduce their numbers. Probably will be very, very low compared to flu. The, the flu, the influenza virus basically is mutating all the time because they do not have the system. And so, once again, in theory, that could be good news where a vaccine is concerned. If everyone in this world will be vaccinated, at one, I mean, in a certain period, the virus cannot multiply, so will die. Of course, that depends not just on everyone getting vaccinated, but on how effective the vaccine is, how long the antibodies it generates last. Maybe we will need to get three boosters in one, two, three years, 
I mean, sequentially in order to be protected for, you know, for the rest of our life. It's a wonderful thought, the eradication of COVID-19. Time will tell. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Up ahead, a Canadian hockey player getting a lot of fans in Germany. You say there's so much you don't know. How he's proving he's as good on stage as he is on the ice. Also coming up, a young BC boy gets a birthday surprise from none other than actor Ryan Reynolds. Watch the Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series every Saturday and Sunday in partnership with Fortis BC, Energy at Work. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Is it a sign the Premier is a true Trekkie? What John Horgan says about his swearing in right after Christie's forecast. But first, just before we get to that, a Shushwap boy just celebrated a birthday he's never going to forget. He was expecting the worst, having just moved to the community and with tight COVID restrictions. But his parents put out a plea on social media. And as Darian Matasafung shows us, he got a response no one was expecting. Happy birthday to you. It's a birthday that will never be forgotten for a Shushwap boy who turned nine years old on Tuesday. Every time I think my birthday was going to be bad till this day, and it just turned out to be shocking. Damien Smith and his family just recently moved to Canoe, a community of 1,000 residents near Salmon Arm, B.C. When Damien was asked if he was excited for his birthday a few weeks ago, he said he was the complete opposite, expecting to be lonely in the Lakeside Village as the province issued orders against household visits, including birthday parties. Damien's parents, Tiffany and Thomas, were heartbroken for their son, so they reached out for help. It all started with one post on Facebook. Uh, this blew up, it went viral, and Damien got cards from everywhere around the world, like thousands of cards. Damien's birthday story touched thousands of people across the world, including one BC celebrity who took it upon himself to give Damien personal birthday wishes. Damien, it's Ryan. I heard about your story. I heard... Uh... I read about it, I saw a video about it. Um, I heard you're a big fan of Deadpool. Vancouver's Ryan Reynolds sent a very special video message wishing Damien a happy birthday. Because I, I also uh, went to a new school when I was a kid, a couple of them. Reynolds told Damien he relates to the boy as he had to switch schools while he was a kid as well. So I guess the point is, is that you're not alone. Uh, and then the other point, which might be even more important at this stage of the game, is happy birthday. And because Damien is a hardcore Deadpool fan, his birthday cake spread thick with love for the fictional anti-hero. It's now safe to say Reynolds and the thousands who reached out to the BC boy showed up to save the day. Darian Matasafung, Global News. Happy birthday, Damien. Happy birthday indeed. Very cool. Mm -hmm. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon for a look at that forecast. There is some light at the end of this tunnel. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I will. I will. You know, I, it was tough today. Cloudy skies again, rain across the region. I thought I would just give you a quick stats to look at how bad it has been. So in terms of rainfall, we're not at the end of the month just yet. We've had near average rainfall, but it's been more so the fact that we've had rain almost every day this month. In particular, 13 of the last 15 days have had significant rain. So it has been a tough go. But as Sophie said, yes, light at the end of the tunnel. In the meantime, the first of two systems 
systems we still have to get through. One is hitting the north coast, sorry, central coast regions. Uh, periods of rain there by the end of the day Friday up to 150 millimeters inland section snowfall. And that red area is a wind warning. That's in place for tomorrow. So picking up overnight and we'll continue through the, especially through the morning hours for that area. And we'll see windy conditions here as well. And snowfall for all of these regions overnight into the morning hours tomorrow. And that includes the Prince George area and the highways west and east of there. And you can still see the band of snow spreading through that region. Now, this front will push down into our region. So tomorrow morning, not too bad, but don't leave home without a rain jacket because it's going to get wet and windy tomorrow afternoon and evening as the front shifts through. But it clears out just in time for our Saturday. Slight chance of showers in the morning for the Fraser Valley. Overall, though, things are looking pretty nice for Saturday. There's your Friday, though. The rain, oh, sorry, the snow for Terrace, Smithers, Prince George. Uh, some rain in through Revelstoke breaks the blue sky through the Okanagan Valley. And for our region, especially by the afternoon hours, periods of rain along with windy conditions. And again, that wind warning for inland sections. So from uh, Campbell River over towards Powell River. So tomorrow we're expecting... Uh, that rainfall later in the day clears out for Saturday. Sunday, the start of Sunday looking pretty nice, but then the second system rolls in Sunday into Monday and then Monday's our transition day. The light at the end of the tunnel, yes. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday all look really nice that next week. Looks like a big ridge of high pressure is set to build up, which is great. We deserve it, I tell you. The first week of December looking nice. And look at this shot from Kelowna. Joanne sending us that one. Not too bad in through the Kelowna area. They've seen a fair amount of sunshine but it sure has been tough here on the south coast Ugh. has it ever all right thanks very much christy feeling a beautiful shot all right premier john horgan making a rather unusual gesture during today's swearing-in ceremony for his new cabinet take a look i john joseph horgan i john joseph horgan swear that i will keep confidential Swear that I will keep confidential. All right, let's take a closer look at Horgan's right hand. Alert science fiction geeks couldn't help but notice it looked a lot like this, the Vulcan live long and prosper sign. And Horgan was later asked about it at his news conference. During your swearing in, was that a tribute to Star Trek and your acknowledgement as a, a, a nerd? Yeah, well, I, I, quite, quite honestly, I was just, I was... I, I, it wasn't until after it had happened that it was brought to my attention. I, I'm, a, I'm a geek. I'm a nerd. I, I can't help it. I, I do that a lot. Uh, I was standing with my hand up in the air. I didn't mean any disrespect to anybody. I wasn't sending a signal to uh, geeks everywhere, but uh, that's who I am. Is that a communicator on his breast pocket there? <laughs> does he know totally how to do... illogical. <laughs> does he know how to do the Vulcan grip? Oh, I hope not. Oh, I hope not, yeah. I know. He'll use that in the press gallery for sure. Okay, what have you got going on? Well, um, they aren't the most exciting teams, but there were some exciting plays between Washington and Dallas today. Here's a made by the defense for the touchdown. That's one bad giveaway. We'll show you that game in Houston and Detroit, which featured the trickiest of tricky plays. Also coming up, a Canadian hockey player in Germany trades his stick for a microphone and wins a whole new set of fans.
All right, Squires here with a look at sports. Bit of a setback, Squire, for the Canadian juniors. Yes, uh, that's for sure. The entire team, the entire national junior hockey team under a two-week quarantine right now, um, which, of course, shut down their selection camp in Red Deer. The uh, World Junior Tournament itself will be in Edmonton. It'll start on Christmas Day. They'll have a bubble-like environment, similar to what they had when the NHL was there. But the question is, if COVID got into the Canadian camp with all the precautions that they were taking, what about the other teams from the other countries? What safeguards are in place for when they arrive in Edmonton? When you look at what we're going to do in Edmonton, I think those protective measures are much higher. Uh, and for a couple of key reasons. Uh, one, we do have international travelers. They will be required to test and quarantine for seven days prior to travel and test negatively during those seven days prior to travel. They will travel via charter into Edmonton, which is very, very different, uh, only with the other teams traveling. So they will be by themselves on a charter flight. Teams will be in their rooms for five additional days, single rooms where they're being tested every day in their room. And the third level of uh, support we have is through uh, a company called Trace Safe, uh, and TELUS is allowing us to power that. And, and what that does is essentially, we know where everyone in the bubble is at all times. And that may sound a, a little high level, but our goal is to ensure that we know that the athletes and the administrators from each of the teams, as well as those people delivering the bubble, are in a very safe environment and are following the protocols that we put in place. Dallas, some fans in the building for Washington against the Cowboys. Antonio Gibson had a big day. This is a touchdown number one for him. If he was on your fantasy team, you'd be a very happy man or woman right now. Uh, Andy Dalton to Amari Cooper. 10-7 Cowboys in the second quarter. Back to Gibson. Outstanding job. Washington giving thanks to this young man. This is his second touchdown run of the day. He'd have another for the hat trick. And Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys basically couldn't lay a glove on him. Right up the middle. And if that's not bad enough... Montez Sweat right after this touchdown. Picks this one off and takes it in. Well, it is Thanksgiving down south, so you might want to say he gobbled that up. Ha, 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 yeah, I know. Identical twins, CJ and AJ Moore. They haven't competed against each other since they were in track and field in high school. Lions and Texans. Well, this is kind of like Sweat's touchdown in the other game. J.J. Watt with that TD, picking off Matthew Stafford, 7-6 Detroit at that point. The ageless Adrian Peterson scored two touchdowns for the Lions. But Duke Johnson out of the backfield for Houston, 2014. And here's the trick play. Hey, where are you going, Duke? Game's still on. Get back here. We're not done yet. Especially you. Hand off. Duke Johnson. Uh, do I want to run this? Nope. Here, you take it. Back to Deshaun Watson, to Will Fuller. His second touchdown of the game. Let's take another look at that. Here's the handoff. Duke. Nope. I don't want to go for it. Back to you, quarterback. And Watson to Fuller. We got a TD. Well, there was supposed to be three Thanksgiving Day games. Baltimore and uh, Pittsburgh were postponed because of multiple COVID-19 cases with the Ravens, so they moved the game to Sunday afternoon. But now it looks they might not be able to play Sunday either with the way things are going. Star quarterback Lamar Jackson 
of the Ravens has also now tested positive for COVID-19. There are at least 12 Raven players who have tested positive this week. And COVID-19 has also caught up with Cardinals wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald. He tested positive this week, and that means he won't be able to play Sunday against New England. Fitzgerald is second all-time in catches and receiving yards behind Jerry Rice. The cards say three players in total tested positive this week. So far, actually, the Seahawks have gotten through this relatively clean. Let's hope that keeps going. Dropping Knock like on flies. Wood. Yeah, go. dropping like flies everywhere else. Thanks very much, Squire. Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sophie. We'll be speaking with the North Vancouver doctor who has lost three patients in a single weekend alone due to COVID-19. We'll have his message tonight. Plus, mounting COVID-19 cases at the Surrey Courthouse. Eight sheriffs have contracted the virus and another 25 staffers are in self-isolation. Court operations and trials are not impacted. What the union is saying needs to be done to protect employees going forward. Those stories and a lot more when you join us tonight at 11. All right. Thanks, J.D. All right. And when we come back, a Canadian hockey player in Germany warming hearts off the ice. That's next. subject of our next story could not only play hockey mm -hmm. he could sing the anthem coquitlam's got talent i think that's what we're <laughs> learning tonight <laughs> well you know what if germany loves the singing of david hasselhoff <laughs> why not this too mark ledlin is doing what a lot of canadian kids dream of doing playing pro hockey it's not the NHL, but he makes a decent living in Germany, where he's played second and third division pro the past four years. But Ledlin is no one-trick jock. Hockey players have a lot of downtime, so a few years ago, he decided to give music a try. I actually went to the grocery store with a good buddy of mine, and I bought a kid's guitar for like 50 bucks. And I was like, man, I'm going to learn. And he's like, what are you doing with that? I was like, I'm going to learn guitar. Like, this is going to be my outlet. Thanks to YouTube lessons and a lot of practice, Ledlin was getting pretty good. So he decided to try out for Germany's version of the TV reality show, The Voice. And to his pleasant surprise, made it all the way to the televised auditions. You make a mistake in hockey, you got four other guys to bail you out in a goalie. If you mess up a word on the song, all eyes are on you kind of thing. So I was pretty nervous. Like you kind of heard the first couple notes, I was a little bit flat. But then once you kind of settle in 20 seconds in, you're like, you know what? I'm up here, might as well give it my all. Unfortunately, Ledlin didn't get a chair turn, but he got another chance to stay on the show via the comeback stage, where he won his head-to-head -head battle against another young singer. He was later eliminated, but just to compete against people who've been singing professionally, put it all into perspective. Maybe we can make a deal. Maybe together we could get somewhere in any place is better. Imagine somebody picking up hockey at the age of 15 and then you get invited to Edmonton, Edmonton Oilers camp when you're 20. Like, I just kind of jumped into it. Everyone else is a trained singer. Like, I met so many people who are in bands 
cover bands, they sing for their actual job. And what do you do, Mark? Oh, I'm, I'm a hockey player. That's, that's really about it. And even though music is getting all of the attention right now, he's making it clear hockey is still number one. They kind of tease me here and there, but you know what? For the most part, everyone goes, Mark, are you bringing your guitar today? Are you bringing this? It's like, no, guys, like I'm here to practice. I'm, I'm one of the boys. Like I'm not, I'm not your personal entertainment, but uh, I, always, I always give them a concert or two once a year. He's great. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think mm-hmm. it would have even been better for him if he had sang something by the Scorpions or perhaps 99 Luft Balloons. <laughs> it's tough doing Tracy Chapman, isn't it? It is tough doing Tracy Chapman. Great song, though. Sure is. Yeah. All right, last word uh, on weather from Christy before we go. Don't leave home without your rain jacket tomorrow. Wind and rain later in the day. Sunshine on Saturday. One more system on Sunday night, and then we're in for the long stretch of sunshine, everyone. Lots Maybe. to look forward to. Maybe we'll get some more rainbows. There's been some great rainbow shots last little while, too. A little mix of sun and yep. rain mm-hmm. sure makes a difference. All and right, if th- you find the pot of gold, yeah. call me. Got to share it. <laughs> Thanks very much, Christy. <laughs> all right, that's all the time we have for tonight. Have a good night, everyone. See ya. See ya.